Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Maps Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? We are coming to you guys in light of the Derek Jones Jr. news. He has recently signed with the Dallas Mavericks on a $2.7 million fully guaranteed veterans minimum deal per Shamsharania of The Athletic as of, um, I guess now, yesterday. It does seem like the news is very recent for whatever reason, though, because there's been an extreme dry spell of anything Mavericks related really probably going on about a really a, a month or so now, um, maybe barring, you know, moves around the fringes that the Mavericks made uh, the other day, which we'll get into a little bit as well. Uh, they brought in some more guys for training camp uh, wings, Greg Brown, the third and um, Jake Weiss camp. So we'll be getting into that a little bit as well. Uh, the Mavericks now have 21 technical uh, roster spots filled out of 20. Not all of those, of course, are fully guaranteed, but they obviously at least have to wave JaVale McGee or somebody else before heading into training camp or make some sort of consolidation trade. So we'll be getting into a little bit of that in today's podcast as well. Touch up on current events, you know, just kind of talk about where the Mavericks are in regard to the scope of the league. Because, you know, we've been waiting weeks, um, you know, really since free agency ended, but it does seem like the trade market is going to heat up sometime soon. Maybe not, you know, if this week or the week after, um, you know, at least before training camp, because it's not like these moves can be on standby forever. Obviously, if the Blazers want to take Damian Lillard and the 76ers want to take Jamie uh, James Harden into the regular season, you know, they, they can do that and then try to prevail through a disgruntled scenario with both of those guys. But we've seen more often than not, even if something is at a stalemate all off season, if there is a strong push to get that deal done and the player, you know, doesn't want to be there. And there was a formal trade request with a big player more often than not, you know, we, we saw it a couple of years ago with James Harden leaving Houston to Brooklyn, Donovan Mitchell uh, saga last year, of course, um, you know, with the jazz front office, obviously trying to get off him after, you know, they traded Gobert, you know, I think more often than not, those type of players will at least get moved before training camps over. So, you know, the door is definitely not out on the Mavericks being able to get involved in on like maybe a three team trade or, you know, taking back a salary that a team, you know, can't withstand because they're taking back uh, another player in a different trade. So we will definitely, you know, sprinkle and touch up on all, you know, things, Mavs, news, rumors related that have came over you know, the last few days, um, even really weeks uh, here today on this podcast. But of course, you know, the main focus will definitely be the Derek Jones Jr. signing. We'll obviously talk a little bit about his fit and stuff and, um, you know, the excitement in regards to how he could fit with the Mavericks and, you know, also what he, you know, may have as, in terms of some of his weaknesses and, you know, why we should, you know, obviously – be excited for this signing, but, you know, keep our expectations to a certain threshold too, because, you know, it's not like the Mavericks went out and made a huge marquee move and got like PJ Washington or Clint Capella here, but 
Uh, they definitely did help around the margins quite a bit with this Derek Jones Jr. signing the other day. Um, but barring that, Jaron, what do you got? It's been a while since we've been on here. It has been a while since we've been on here. Yeah, I mean, outside of the occasional training camp invite and outside, of course, this Derek Jones Jr. news, there's been pretty dry uh, in terms of really just NBA news in general. Um, I do know that FIBA is heating up and I forget when that does exactly begin, uh, but been keeping up with that a little bit. And, you know, I, I would be surprised if a trade regarding Damian Lillard and James Harden, of course, is not made kind of before training camp and FIBA all kick off all at once, really. Um, so, you know, I I expect everything to kind of unfold within the next, you know, say three weeks, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to really just basketball being back. You know, it's been too long. And, you know, to say that it's only been about four weeks, but it's been too long since we've had anything really of significance happen in basketball. But Derek Jones Jr., of course, excites a little bit and ignites a little bit more flames um, and, of course, gets people talking, which we like. So, you know, I'm excited to see what his fit is, uh, potentially with Luca and Kyrie, of course. And, you know, he did play a lot more minutes than I think people realize. And, of course, we'll dive into this a little bit more as the podcast gets along. But um, I think that he could have a bigger role, in my opinion. I think he could have a bigger role than people expect. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you, uh, especially given the void right there at the Mavericks wing position. There's, you know, a, a lot of minutes to be filled between, you know, Olivier Maxence, Prosper, Grant Williams, as well as Derek Jones Jr. And seeing how those particularly between Prosper and Derek Jones Jr. split up is going to be a really interesting development to me because I think that given, you know, where Derek Jones Jr. is at in this stage in his career, he's a really athletic wing, great defender, especially as an on-ball defender. You know, obviously off-ball, he does have his inconsistencies every once in a while that we'll get into in this podcast. But, uh, I mean, really good on-ball defender, uh, obviously really athletic, you know, can he, – he, even played as a five for the bulls at yes. times last year. Um, so, you know, he can work well as the role man given his insane verticality um, throughout different points in the game, you know, given the opponent's lineup, but there's a lot of different uh, interesting ways in which the Mavericks can use him. But one thing that obviously has been probably the biggest sort of inhibition, you know, in regards to him over his NBA career is obviously his three point shooting and, you know, seeing how, you know, his three point shooting translates on the Mavericks as well as how Omax looks from three, um, you know, day one, I think will definitely dictate the minute battle between those two. So that's going to be uh, very intriguing to see how, uh, how those two, you know, split up the minutes there. But um, barring that, we're just going to go ahead and get into the intro here. But before we do that, we do want to make sure that you guys are staying posted with all sorts of the, you know, content that we are, getting out at this moment you know jaron and i are obviously writing over at the smoking cuban so you can catch all of our new articles over there we you know me and jaron specifically didn't uh post an article about Derek jones jr but there is an article on the website over there if you guys want to get more uh you know a little bit in-depth coverage in regards to what his fit on the mavericks would look like we definitely recommend that you go check that out and we've posted some articles as well uh, Jaron just posted an article about Derek Lively and, uh, you know, what his uh, fit and ceiling is going to look like in Dallas. So definitely, you know, go check that out if you want to sort of prelude to what he's going to, you know, look like this upcoming year because he may play, you know, some games with the legends at the start. And, you know, Jaron touches 
up on that heavily in the article, you know, just sort of what his developmental could track could look like this season. And, you know, I got an article coming out, I believe actually at five today uh, in regards to Dirk Nowinski's hall and frame enshrinement and some fellow Mavericks that will be in attendance to that. So, you know, there's a lot of different little sprinkles of news that have been coming out, but there's not like one major thing, um, you know, for us to really cover and hone in on. So we're going to be kind of all over the place on this podcast, but we'll definitely put an emphasis on the Derek Jones Jr. stuff, like I said. And, you know, also, like you had mentioned, Jaron, we will definitely at least um, briefly cover Luca's World Cup preparation games with Slovenia. Probably won't go fully in depth. I did not have a chance to watch the second game versus, versus Greece, uh, nor the game versus Montenegro. But I did watch the first game versus Greece, and I was able to watch the full game highlights of that uh, game versus Montenegro. So, you know, ahead of World Cup play, which will start August 26 for Slovenia versus Venezuela. There's a lot of um, good Luca stuff coming out right now. I mean, he, he's in excellent shape. He's playing extremely well. And while it's certainly not a tell-all for how this upcoming season is going to be for him and the Mavericks, it definitely, you know, gives us a, a sort of basis to work with in, in terms of how, you know, Luca's increased explosiveness and stamina could translate um, you know, when the Mavericks head into training camp. And, and on top of that, obviously the World Cup, you know, games themselves are going to be just fascinating to watch from a competitive standpoint. And, you know, one of Slovenia's last exhibition, you know, preparation games, if you will, uh, is going to be versus the USA this Saturday, August 12th, same day that Dirk gets enshrined into the Hall of Fame. So it's like a great sort of a day for Mavericks fans, or I guess just the sort of ebb and flow and stuff of, you know, coming up for Mavericks fans is kind of nice right now, given how dry it's been. Um, but, you know, none of it is too, um, I guess I'm not going to say highly important because I'm definitely not going to, you know, disregard Dirk in that aspect. But none of it's too uh, crazy or um, too groundbreaking in terms of the news that's really been coming out. But, it, it you know, in terms of the Hall of Fame stuff for Dirk, that's – you know, something we'll get into this podcast a little bit, but it's obviously really excited. You know, we give, you got to give him his flowers and any area of gratitude of basketball that that we can. And I mean, that is, you know, the single-handedly, the, the biggest accomplishment you can get as a basketball player. So it, it'll be a really cool event and scene to cap off, you know, Dirk's wide array of retirement activities that he's uh, been, had to been invested in the last few years uh, in terms of getting honored in Dallas, even though he, you know, has to, not accept it begrudgingly, but he's always embarrassed having to go up and talk and everything like that. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun thing, but um, yeah, make sure you are keeping up with all our stuff on the smoking Cuban, as well as the podcast, of course. And you can also follow our Twitter at mainstream two one four and uh, see all of our tweets and stuff, you know, up to date, right. When something happens, that's usually the first forum that we'll go share our immediate thoughts on before any podcast or, you know, any articles drop, so make sure you guys check us out on there as well. But without further ado, we will go ahead and get into this podcast. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaren. So obviously after the Dallas Mavericks missed out on Matisse Thibel in restricted free agency and the Portland Trailblazers signed that offer sheet, there was still sort of a, a need there to, you know, accrue another backup wing. Um, that of course can, you know, is versatile on defense, 
uh, can defend multiple positions potentially, you know, as well as a guy that, you know, can provide something on offense, you know, whether it's shooting, um, you know, whether it's playmaking or, you know, X, Y, and Z, right. Um, Just as long as they're not completely, you know, just one dimensional. Obviously, you know, the Dallas Mavericks weren't able to get, you know, maybe a marquee guy in that aspect, um, you know, to add on to Grant Williams at that wing position, you know, another true definite um, starter like a PJ Washington, just because there really wasn't availability uh, of that degree on the market, but they still did address their, you know, the wing position furthermore this offseason, even after getting Olivier Maxence Prosper, even after bringing in Grant Williams with the Derek Jones Jr. signing and they were, they didn't even use any other MLE, I believe uh, this is fully on a uh, minimum deal uh, per Sham Sharania. So um, did you think that the Mavericks would even be making this move um, this far into the off season? Uh, because there had obviously been rumors of like, you know, Jalen Noel, um, you know, Derek Jones Jr., Kelly Oubre, but all these guys included, but everything kind of seemed like it wouldn't come into fruition until after you know, some of these trades were settled. Um, you know, given this is more of a kind of move around the fringes compared to what the Mavericks would need to do to address their center position. But were you surprised that this happened at the time it did? Um, just given the general lack of news with the Mavericks recently? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a, a notification that popped up on my phone that I, I surely wasn't expecting. Um, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting the Mavericks to be making a move after a trade. Um, I, I don't think that they were necessarily waiting on that sort of, you know, big move to be made. I, I just think that the Mavericks kind of buying time, seeing what the market gave them. Uh, clearly, Derek Jones Jr. was, uh, I mean, maybe not best available, but he was probably best available for the team's needs. Uh, they went and picked him up, obviously. And yeah, I mean, you know, we're sitting here today with a 21 or 22 man roster at this current point. So if anything, I think that that move almost stirred up a trade at some point this season. I think that it's likely going to be a two for one trade. Um, but yeah, you know, back to your question, you know, I necessarily wasn't expecting it, like I said, uh, but the fact that it popped up and I, I mean, it definitely makes me a little bit more uh, steady minded or at least maybe not like I think it answers a lot of question marks. Um, you know, it's another athletic wing, defensive minded wing that is. Uh, that you can kind of check off the boards. You know, this team last year was definitely in dire need of wings like Derek Jones Jr. And they went and got him uh, on that minimum deal. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, but yeah, you know, I necessarily wasn't expecting it. Uh, I was on my drive back and I was had been driving for about two hours and it just randomly popped up. And it was surely interesting, you know, something, of course, like I said, that I wasn't expecting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be something to watch going forward um is necessarily like what the Mavericks do with him uh and not just that but how much minutes he's going to get you know in Chicago uh and even in Miami you know he saw a little bit more playing time than I think people expected I think we could see a similar situation in Dallas um you know his ability to kind of play almost three through four or three through five rather uh is gonna make him an interesting like sort of player uh, I think that, you know, if you don't want Maxi playing the sole five and say a sort of, you know, bench five lineup, you know, I think that he could spot some minutes there. Not it's not saying that he's going to be that sure five lineup uh, off the bench, but I, you know, I, I really think that there is some flexibility now uh, that Derek Jones Jr. gives the Dallas Mavericks. And I, you know, like I said, you know, there's going to be some interesting things that we can do with this lineup now. Um, but yeah, you know, one thing's for certain, we did get a defensive wing, 
Um, you know, he's not going to be paired in that starting lineup with Luca and Kyrie and Grant Williams. He's not going to be a guy like that. Um, but he's going to come off the bench, maybe alongside Omax Prosper, uh, and probably create a dynamic duo with those two uh, off the bench defensively around the wings. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think headed into training camp, it now creates a lot more questions on, you know, that last two-way spot because, of course, Dexter Dennis, um, you know, Miles, Miles McBride, all these different My, Mike Miles, guys. Mike Miles. My, Mike Miles, yeah. I don't know why I said yeah. Miles McBride, but um, Mike Miles. Uh, there's definitely a lot of number, a lot of guys now that are sort of pining for that last two-way spot. You know, Mike Miles, of course, is on a two-way right now, but that isn't guaranteed. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting going into training camp who is pining for that last roster spot. Um, and I mean, like I said, you know, there's a lot of different names that could be sort of going after that spot. So we'll see what happens. But I, I'm really excited for that signing. I know a lot of people are questioning it, saying, you know, it's really just a minute signing. Why are we getting hype? But this is the first time that the Mavericks are sort of signing for needs, um, at least in recent years. And I, like I said, you know, it just makes me excited. I, Derek Stone Jr. is going to jump out of the gym and to see him alongside Luca, potentially being on the other side of that lob pass could be absolutely lethal um, for other teams in, in terms of off the bench. So I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. I was pretty taken aback at the news, even though, you know, it's not um, obviously the biggest um, bit of news that you can get right off the bat, but I was at work and I just saw the top half of the notification appear um, from Twitter or X, I guess now. And <laughs> um, it, you know, it said Sean Sharania is reporting uh, Derek Jones Jr. is signing a one-year fully guaranteed contract with, and then I was like, oh shoot, let's see if it's the Mavericks. And I opened Twitter and it was. So that was a validating experience from that perspective. Um, but I, I think the reason that it took me aback a little bit was like literally just because like two days previously, uh, the Mavericks obviously had brought, um, you know, I believe it was um, Joe Weiskamp and yep. uh, Greg Brown the third, um, in on those contracts. And at that point, I'm like, okay, they fully filled out, um, you know, the training camp roster at the very least. And I do think that between Dexter Dennis, Weiskamp, as well as Greg Brown the third, um, and Taze Moore rather. Uh, as well as Jelly Walker, you know, one of those five guys is probably going to get that last two-way spot uh, unless the Mavericks see something in another, you know, from another preseason or, or G League guy here as as training camp ensues before the regular season kicks off where they're like, okay, um, you know, that's that's enough for us to give this guy, you know, potentially a guaranteed deal or he, he definitely has earned our two-way, you know, far and ahead of, you know, these five other guys. But they got five intriguing guys there. Um, that they're heading into training camp with. And I wouldn't say, you know, while some of them definitely probably have a better chance at making the two-way ahead of others, I, you know, I can't say that it's a situation, you know, maybe like in years prior where we could maybe just kind of pencil in one of those guys to make the two-way. So I, I definitely think that they're going to go into training camp and battle all of it out. And that that's, you know, going to be really intriguing to see. But furthermore, the reason that, you know, the great, you know, the Derek Jones Jr. You know, signing specifically uh, surprised me was because, you know, once the Mavericks brought in Greg Brown, the third, I mean, he's essentially like early career Derek Jones Jr. Like he's that that archetype, that mold of player. And I was honestly, um, you know, pretty surprised that they just brought in Derek Jones Jr. on that guaranteed deal right after that, after bringing in, you know, a guy, you know, such similar elk 
and um you know greg brown the third so i mean obviously the more the merrier Derek jones jr is actually proven we know that he can help day one obviously greg brown the third you know his offensive game and you know some of the inconsistencies with being in the right spot on defense obviously have you know limited his developmental track a little bit in the nba and he sort of had a you know weird route to the league after being you know pretty highly coveted in high school so you know i i do like the fact that the mavericks are adding more of a surefire guy that's going to be ready to help day one in terms of getting out and transition um you know occasionally being able to be a spot up shooter even though he just shot you know i believe a hedge over 30 percent if that the last couple seasons from three and a guy that you know is going to be a really timely cutter um you know, he, he's going to be able to to plug and play in the offense. He's a you know really good team player. You can set up, you know, staggers for him to run, you know, off this, off, you know, where to where he can get lob passes. Um, th- there's a lot of different actions that you can involve him with in the offense, you know, in out of timeout scenarios when you're looking to get an easy bucket. Uh, he's a great guy for that, given how athletic he is. And I mean, we're, we're poised to see, you know, at, at least in training camp with this current Mavericks training camp roster, um, even if they cut some of those, you know, really athletic guys from training camp, like this is still going to be one of the more athletic rosters we've had in years from the Mavericks after they ranked 28th in pace last year and, you know, have sort of been, I wouldn't say plagued, but the the Luka era has definitely been riddled with, you know, half court centric and dominated offense. And, you know, the Mavericks do look good when the right guys get out in transition, as we've seen with like Josh Green, Jaden Hardy last year. But now they have the wherewithal to maybe be able to facilitate that a little bit more. And it's going to be up to Luca and of course Kyrie, but he's always been good at this, but especially Luca to, you know, really push the ball when need be in the open court and get the ball out quick on outlet passes, you know, more often off of long misses and turnovers this year, because the Mavericks have the ability to score a little bit more in transition. So they're going to need to exercise it more because I mean, that that's just the formula for winning basketball right there. Um, getting easy buckets, uh, you know, of course, that's not as easy as that, given it's clearly the NBA, but that's what the Mavericks have to do if they want to translate defense into offense, you know, at an increased clip this year. And they, they have, you know, the ability to do it on both sides of that front for the first time in a long time. So that's why, you know, I've been stressing some of my articles recently, particularly with Luca and Slovenia, why him carrying over this, uh, increased, you know, shape that he's in him, you know, looking a lot more emblematic of his 2019, 2020 self, um, is going to be paramount. Um, if the Mavericks are going to get in transition more next year and even, you know, back when Luca was in good shape, you know, he, he was getting in out in transition more, but it still probably wasn't at the clip that, you know, you wanted. So just seeing how that evolves is definitely going to be an interesting development. Cause I think that that could, Definitely, you know, turn the tide of the Mavericks ceiling this year if they're going to be a good transition team, uh, not even on, just on offense, but on both ends. I mean, Derek Jones Jr., I mean, that's a guy that can get out and transition and make a chase down block if he really needs to. There's a lot more potential for stuff like that this year, and that's what makes all this exciting. But, you know, conversely, Derek Jones Jr. is also a guy that is, you know, like we talked about, you know, is not – you know, been the best staple of consistency throughout his NBA career has only really recently over the, maybe the past three or four years, you know, made a, you know, spot where, you know, he is 
planted his foot and, you know, actually got a spot in a rotation consistently, um, you know, kind of at that eight or nine man area for the heat and the bulls respectively over the last couple of years. So, you know, if the three point shot comes into fruition at an increased rate, you know, more than we think he's going to be able to, and the looks that he's getting off of Luca and Kyrie are, you know, just so much more beneficial to him. And he's having all this, you know, increased space and everything like that. I mean, you know, this is a guy that I do think could potentially elevate into a, a starting caliber player for the Mavericks, but we do have to recognize that look like he's, he's 27, maybe 28, I think now, and maybe even a tad bit older. And, you know, despite as athletic as he is, I don't know how much more, you know, development there is for him to do on that end. So if he can just be that baseline serviceable wing who can defend, you know, you know two through four more specifically, but uh, maybe even fives at times, specifically um, fives who don't have near as good of a base or a lower body that he won't kind of get pushed around by. I think that that will be huge for the Mavericks um, and, you know, just eliminating off ball mistakes. I think a lot of that definitely will have to do with how synchronized this Mavericks team defense is together and how bought in everybody is. And, you know, Jason Kidd obviously did a good job of that um, year one. So um, that was definitely a, you know, major focus last year um, in terms of a lot of our better on ball defenders, not necessarily uh, playing up to par off ball because maybe the, the scenario just, didn't warrant it, warrant it for them in that uh, occasion for whatever reason. But if the team is fully bought in and, you know, they're as uber competitive as we, you know, would hope, then those effort plays around the margins and, you know, staying attentive off ball um, will, will probably improve not just for Derek Jones Jr., but for everybody else. So, you know, Jaron and I have obviously talked about that the Mavericks were one wing and one center away from, you know, true contention. And, you know, while Jer- Derek Jones Jr. maybe isn't, you know, a starting caliber wing, I don't necessarily think he needs to be if the Mavericks are still able to get another um, center in terms of this being an A-plus offseason where we addressed all areas of need. Um, I don't think that Derek Jones Jr. by himself, you know, obviously thrust the Mavericks into contention or anything like that, but it definitely, you know, makes their wing depth bolstered a lot more, and it's going to be a lot easier for Jason Kidd to divvy up the minutes between – the wings next year and it, it's just going to add a much more concentrated you know defensive prowess on all fronts which i'm really excited about yeah to touch up on that athleticism you know the mavericks of course throughout this whole entire offseason have gotten a lot more athletic with the addition of omax Derek lively for obvious reasons and then of course now Derek jones jr um you know the, this team has really sort of you know taken a complete 180 in terms of that because like you said they were 28th in pace last year uh which is purely indicative on you know how unathletic or really just a lack of unathleticism uh that this team had and now you know you add the guys that i just mentioned this team now has you know a, a really big sort of position that they're held in with the you know they have a lot of wings now uh there's a lot of guys that can make a name for themselves so i'm interested to see what happens but to speak more on Derek jones jr you know he shot 30 percent from three out of the career uh but he doesn't have a guy like Luka Doncic alongside of him. So I think that, you know, if we're going to see an elevation in his three-point shooting, it's going to be this year, if anything, um, because again, you know, he's getting the ball from Kyrie Irving. He's getting the ball from Luka, Luka Doncic. Um, and, you know, he's only going to get open shots. So I'm interested to see what exactly he can do uh, from there and how he can, how he can improve his offensive game. Because I think 
One thing's for certain, the lob threat ability is going to be there. I think he might even be one of the top lob threats on this Mavericks roster now. Uh, but to see him improve his three-point shot would only elevate his game. He could potentially become a legit rotational guy on this roster if he could somehow elevate that. And of course, you know, this is going into La La Land, hoping, you know, for the best and all this. But, you know, there there is a legit opportunity for him to increase and to improve that three-point shot alongside Luca. You know, as I said, you know, he doesn't have a guy or hasn't had a guy like Luca throughout his career. I mean, the best players he's played with, uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler for a season, Damian Lillard and Devin Booker. That's and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Those are pretty much about it. He doesn't have a big list of guys that, you know, are all NBA first teams outside of Damian Lillard. So I'm really interested to see what he can do alongside Luca and how he can improve his game for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's not just that. There's also other guys in the training camp, um, you know, Joe Weisskamp, you know. I, I, I do, I do he, want to touch up on uh, what you said, though, really quickly. Yeah, of course. In regards yeah. to Derek Jones, Derek Jones Jr., I don't even necessarily think, though, that, you know, the, the caliber of those players necessarily is what will, you know, give him more open looks in Dallas. I think that it's the the size and the attention in which Luca draws and, you know, his ability to find guys um, cross court and, um, you know, precarious positions like, you know, for for easy looks like there's not a lot of guys that have the ability to see over the defense and play make like that. I mean, even, you know, Dame and, you know, Devin Booker, I potentially, you know, you can make the argument, you know, Dame, Devin Booker, that even if they're not obviously on the level of Luca, that they're they're in that category, like right under him. He's played with some good players throughout his career, no doubt, but, you know, not a dynamic guy, uh, you know, of the caliber of Luca who can get him the ball in, you know, all sorts of different positions, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, making a 45 cut from the wing, you know, going back door or obviously like just across the perimeter. Um, if he's getting double teamed, you know, halfway across the court, like there's just a lot of different options, uh, from that perspective, um, with any spot up shooter and Luka Doncic and the Mavericks have obviously bolstered their shooting a little bit this off season, but, I mean, there, there will be some question marks off the bench. That's undeniable. I think that Omax and Derek Jones Jr. shooting could definitely um, turn the tide of any juncture in this season if they're both shooting hot at the same time. That would give the Mavericks a, a guarantee of at least like competent shooting game to game, even if certain guys are having an off night. Um, if, if those guys can at least, you know, prove to be league average but that'll definitely you know be a big question mark going into next season no doubt yeah absolutely I think yeah I mean like you said if Omax and if Derek Jones, Derek Jones Jr uh I'm just gonna start saying DJJ because it's a lot it's a mouthful uh but if Omax and DJJ uh can somehow you know get on a hot streak of shooting or shoot you know best best career percentages uh, I guess for DJJ that that's the case for him, but if they can somehow shoot at a confident rate, I really think it's going to be very hard for this team to lose. Um, especially if those two guys off the bench are, you know, like we said, shooting at a very high clip. Um, but yeah, you know, to transfer back or to uh, transition back into kind of the lower end guys like Greg Brown, the third uh, Joe Weisskamp, you know, these are some of the guys that are, you know, pining to make that last roster spot, Jelly Walker, um, who was the other one? It was a uh, Tajay Moore. Like these are some of the guys that, you know, are outside shots to make the roster. 
Uh, and it's going to be a battle headed into training camp. I'm really excited to see it. I think anytime you can have a positional battle where, you know, five guys essentially are battling for one position, there's going to be uh, anticipation. There's going to be some fun things that are going to happen. And I, I know last year, NBA TV, I believe it was, did that whole, uh, you know, inside practice thing with the Mavericks. I don't know if they're bringing that back this year, but if they do, I hope it is with the Mavericks. Because again, even though they aren't sort of, you know, guys that are going to move the needle necessarily. Uh, these are guys that would be fun to watch, of course, battle out for that last position. And, um, you know, to touch up on Wisecamp, I honestly forgot that he even signed with us a few days ago, but he was a former four-star recruit at the University of Iowa. Um, I believe he's six foot six and he played for San Antonio and Toronto at one point in time and actually dropped 28 points in the, I think, latest uh, summer league game for Toronto. Uh, where he had a career, not career high, but I think, you know, I think he shot like four for five from three. So he's definitely much more of a wing kind of guy, uh, more offensive talented, more offensive minded than defense that is. Uh, so, you know, I think that if the Mavericks are looking forward or looking to go that defensive route more, or, uh, sorry, that offensive route more in the shooting direction, he could be a potential target. But I think, um, you know, in terms of him and Greg Brown, the third, those are probably the more outside shot guys, maybe even Tajay Moore, if you want to throw him in there, but uh, it'll definitely be interesting, like I said, and I I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I think headed into training camp, there's going to be a lot of questions that are answered, uh, not just regarding that final roster spot, but also the starting center position, possibly. Um, you know, are the Mavericks going to make a move headed into training camp uh, regarding that starting position or starting center position? I think that there's a lot of questions that will be answered uh, that we just don't know the answer to right now. But I'm like I said, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, to touch up off what you said. I want to pose a question to everybody in the audience. And if you're on Spotify, you will be able to actually see this um, on the screen, I believe, at some juncture if you're listening on the podcast. But what do you guys think the Mavericks will do with their last two-way spot? Who do you think they'll sign out of those five guys? Jelly Walker, Taze Moore, um, Greg Brown the third, Joe Weiskamp. And I'm forgetting one more. Tell me that, Jaren. Uh, yeah, you said Greg Brown the third, Joe Weiskamp. Um, this is uh, this is pretty bad right here. Oh, Dexter Dennis, Dexter Dennis, yes, yes. <laughs> Between those five, who do you think the Mavericks will sign? Um, for their two way spot, let us know down in the comments on YouTube if you're listening on that as well. But Jaron, who do you think the Mavericks will sign with that um, fifth roster spot? Because I will say, I feel like all of those guys are in a pretty, um, you know, similar tier to each other. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would put any one of them above, you know, a threshold upon the other, maybe besides Jelly Walker, just because of his summer league performance. But then again, the other guys fit a position of need, obviously a lot more than him, given the Mavericks, you know, egregious amount of guards right now after, you know, signing Seth Curry this offseason and everything. I personally think that Greg Brown, the third has the best opportunity to get that spot, because if he comes in and is looking like, you know, Derek Jones Jr. 2.0 light or whatever you want to call it, flashes some potential in the short roll, makes a couple threes during camp, you know, is defending, getting out in transition, doing those kind of things. I, I think if his development looks a little bit more polished, he's still really young, uh, came out of Texas really early. I think he has um, the best opportunity to, to get that spot, but I'm not necessarily saying whatsoever that he will get that spot. But, you know, he, you know, would – definitely have the best opportunity to blossom there. Who do you think personally is going to get it? Yeah. You know, I might have to follow alongside with Greg Brown, the third, but I'll try and change it up a little bit. 
Um, assuming Mike Miles is kind of a lock at that final two-way spot, I think that kind of rules out Jelly Walker. Uh, not saying that he's not going to be a part of the Mavericks organization because I think he will be in some way and capacity a G League Texas legend. I think all these guys will be Texas legends um, out of all five. But, you know, I'm if I had to kind of go – You never different... know because, like, they, they don't bring all of them back usually. But it, yeah, like... they don't, yeah, they don't usually bring all of them back. But I, yeah. I really would be surprised if at least the, the highlight guys, maybe even Dex, Dexter Dennis, aren't in some way, like I said, a legend. The newer guys especially, I would be surprised because they definitely have a tendency to be like, okay, like, we liked what we saw. We want to bring this back and, and see what we can get. A guy like Taze Moore, if he has a good training camp, for instance, and a good preseason, but the Mavericks, for whatever reason, you know, just – had a better guy or you know they want to sign somebody else i feel like a guy like him wouldn't be as inclined to come back to the legends half after he already played with them last year for instance yeah absolutely like that that's where yeah you get the questions if he doesn't get that final two-way spot is he going to be somewhere else um and yeah i mean the question could be yes but uh i feel like you know i kind of just have to go greg brown the third i think like you said he has the best opportunity to make that final two-way spot uh i love jelly walker and i still think that he will be a legend like i said um, I think Weisskamp will probably be a legend. I don't think he really has a real shot at making that two-way spot. He did in the season, or I guess had uh, spots in the season last year uh, where he ended it really well. He had a 10-point game against Milwaukee, and he actually had, like I said, that 28-point game in Summer League. So I think uh, him would be kind of a question mark, but it would be interesting to see him, how he can kind of prove his point. Dexter Dennis, if he has any resemblance of offense and shooting, I mean, that could be a, a sneaky dark horse pick for that final two-way spot. But I just think safest and overall probably biggest bang for your buck has got to be Greg Brown the third, Just because, again, I mean, I think he's only, what, like 23? Um, if you know, that, I got to check how old he is. Yeah, I, I think he's like 22 or 23, struggling to make a, a name for himself in the league. But definitely, if that's the guy that pops, uh, I mean, heck, sky's the limit. I think uh, – I don't know if he was a first or second – I believe he was a second-round pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit. I think he was like a five five-star recruit uh headed into college so i think if he does like i said resemble you know anything of consistency that's a guy that could potentially become a rotational player uh later on down the road not saying this year at all but if he does show some promise he could later on down the road like i said funny yeah and uh greg brown the third is actually from dallas uh ironically yeah. enough and he is only uh 21 he'll turn 22 oh, He'll only he'll only turn 22 on September 1st, so literally in like 20 days. But I mean, that's a pretty fresh 22. He'll be 22 literally the whole season. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's still very young, still has a lot of potential. And I mean, anytime you got you get a chance to get a homegrown guy, uh, you know, back in any capacity, it always is good. Just from the perspective that if they do hit, you know, they would probably be a lot more inclined to stay long term. Uh, especially looking at a guy like Greg Brown the third, and then Mike Miles Jr. Even though I don't think he grew up in Dallas, obviously went to TCU. Guys like that, I mean, the Mavericks have you know tried on in in years past, and you know had varying success kind of throughout you know throughout the margins on you know those homegrown products that end up you know coming back to Dallas or you know finding their way there in some capacity that end up playing a little bit. But I I, I do think that you know, given Greg Brown, the thirds, you know, athleticism, I mean, obviously, you know, that in itself, along with the the defensive intangibles, you know, the wingspan, the potential, I mean, it, it just does bode a lot of credence to this being a really intriguing player. If he can, you know, sift through some of the inconsistencies of his game, like his shot, 
um, you know, his, his playmaking ability and uh, just how, you know, reliable he is um, game to game. That's, that's going to be huge for him. So that's definitely an, an interesting wrinkle from, you know, that perspective of what's going to happen with the the last roster spot. And I'm sure we'll get into Derek Jones Jr. fit a little bit more when, you know, we do our player previews and stuff all like that before the season, um, which we're excited for. But, you know, in this one, we obviously just wanted to touch base strictly on the news aspect of things and, you know, dive into a little bit of, um, you know, how excited we were about the signing as well as what, you know, it could do for the Mavericks, you know, as far as their, you know, team goes, how much are they going to improve from this? And I think lastly, Jaron, um, you know, before we get on to, you know, some more tertiary topics and things of that nature, do you think that the Derek Jones Jr. signing elevates the Mavericks um, to a contender? Do you think that uh, it elevates their letter grade this offseason? How much does this make the team better? Because we obviously kind of talked around it, but we didn't really say it definitively. Yeah, you know, we were actually talking off air. Um, and, you know, I, I think that me and you would both grade this offseason or a, a pre uh, Derek Jones Jr. signing as a B plus. And I think that that probably elevates into an A minus, you know, something that doesn't move the needle, uh, but definitely something that, you know, you raises definitely improve around the what would you say raises the floor? Yeah, raises the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and, you know, I mean, it's a high flyer kind of guy, you know, if he does hit. It would be amazing if he doesn't. It's a one year, what was it, $2.7 million contract. So nothing crazy. Um, I do want to pose this question to the audience real quick. Uh, you know, what would you grade this offseason? This is, of course, pre center, assuming they do a trade for a center. But uh, right now, what would you grade this offseason? They've made some pretty big additions, including Derek Jones Jr. So I'm excited to see what the answers are. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I would probably say an A minus. What, what would you say? I would probably go with an A minus as well. But it's weird because I don't think that, you know, obviously this move single-handedly thrusts the Mavericks into contention. But, you know, the reason I say it it, that it raises their floor is because, they you know, they get another, you know, somewhat high-quality, you know, role player at a position of need. And what's separating the Mavericks at this juncture isn't necessarily their depth because, you know, the kind of guys that they're coming into camp with, like, they, they do have technically, like, a lot of positional depth, especially if they, you know, I mean, we don't even know exactly what's going to happen, you know, with JaVale McGee, but it has been reported, you know, earlier in the offseason that it's certain he will either get stretched waived um, or just waived or traded. Right. So that's a, that's a guaranteed roster spot right there. That's, that's going to be gone. So that they, they do have other, you know, ways to, to format this before it's all said and done. I mean, they could end up signing Greg Brown or maybe AJ Lawson outright. And then like put one of those guys at the two way instead, like, they, they have a lot of uh, flexibility with this here, which, you know, almost, you know, bodes credence to the fact that maybe two of those guys that we, you know, list as potential suitors for two ways could be sticking around on a two way or a guaranteed contract. But I, I do think that, you know, with the wing depth that they have now, it, I, I think that this does leaps and bounds for the floor of this team because, you know, a guy like Grant Williams or Omax is just going to be able to, you know, get a little bit more rest. They're going to have more juice to defend um, and be and be more versatile from that perspective and have more juice offensively, right? I, I I don't think that it's obviously the, you know, marker that's preventing the Mavericks from reaching that con- contender status. I don't think that they just transcend to that all of a sudden. But I do think that, you know, I can confidently say the Mavericks are a top seven seed now. 
is is what I would say. I, I think that there's no way that they end up going lower than seven after, you know, having signed Derek Jones Jr. and bolstering the wing depth. I mean, it's just too much of a um, it, top to bottom, you know, just organizational reset from a defensive perspective. Obviously, there's still a lot of question marks, especially with the youth and, you know, kind of the inconsistencies of some of these players. They're not maybe the idealized guys that you would have, you know, hoped for if you say, okay, Grant Williams, Omax, and Derek Jones Jr. are the three wings heading into the next season. You would probably, you know, like a little bit more offensive versatility and dynamism, you know, between all three of those guys if you're talking strictly from a contending perspective, right? And you look at some of these teams across the league, like with what Denver had last year, they had that. And, you know, Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown, Christian Braun, guys like that. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the Mavericks, if, you know, Omax and, you know, Jones Jr. are going to be able to um, thrust the Mavericks into that sort of sphere. But I, I, I will say, I just feel like they have too much depth and, and they had enough defensive versatility to where I, I just can't see this team, you know, barring injuries, uh, dropping into the play-in. I, I think that they, or even if they do drop into the play-in, um, you know, at that seventh spot, you know, roughly, I, I think they're at least uh, a top seven seed after this, uh, maybe eight, you know, just given the West is so damn good. But if that's the case, I think it would have to be some sort of um, year like 2014-15 where literally every team had damn near 50 wins or something like that. So, I think that this move at least puts the Mavericks out of, you know, play-in stratosphere. Um, definitely cannot say with confidence that, you know, it makes them a top four team now. But that's just my opinion in the West. Uh, what, what do you think, Jaren? Yeah, I would probably, you know, go in a similar route to you. I think, you know, pre-Derek Jones Jr., I, I would honestly probably say it was a lock. at Maybe not a lock, but I think that this team was an eight seed at best. Uh, I would probably go more so in the route that I think that this elevates them into a seventh, potentially sixth uh, best team uh, or sixth seed rather. Um, but yeah, you know, to follow up what you said, this team is nowhere near contention. I think that they still are in dire need of a starting caliber center to become that, you know, potential contender that they could be. So I, I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily move the needle with this signing, uh, but it does, you know, sort of bolster up depth. It does sort of bolster up more of a floor or more of a uh, ceiling rather than a floor. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, more so, I think that this kind of secures um, a pretty solid floor. Like, the, you know, this team can't fall apart like they did a lot or not, maybe not fall apart, but like this team, I, I think is a play-in team at worst. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, this team is not going to miss the play-in uh, play tournament, you know, given injuries, as long as these guys can stay healthy. Um, and again, you know, if they can acquire somehow a starting caliber center, whether it's Clint Capella, um, you know, DeAndre, and those are the guys that have been thrown out the most. Um, yeah. If they can acquire a guy of that caliber, then I think that we can really talk about potential contending um, for this roster. But yeah, I mean, right now I view it more as a seventh seed and an eight seed rather than, you know, that six to four seed uh, where I think, you know, if they can get a starting center, like I said, uh, they could be a potential top four uh, top six seed at the very best. So we'll see what happens uh, regarding that starting center, but kind of to segue more into a um, more heavily talked about uh, that we haven't gotten too deep into. Let's talk about Dirk's hall of fame. Um, his enshrinement is Saturday night is what you said. Um, I don't know where you can watch that. I'm assuming probably just like NBA TV or ESPN or something like that, um, where they're going to do the basketball hall. Of probably fame, definitely but... NBA TV for sure. Yeah. yeah. NBA TV for sure. I figured that'd be a lock. So, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what time exactly, but I do know that it's Saturday night, likely on NBA TV, like I just said. But, um, you know, do you have any messages or are you expecting to see anything, um, you know, regarding his speech? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what, what are you expecting, I guess? Yeah, obviously, Dirk has always kind of been a, you know, pretty like mild mannered guy. He's he's reluctant to, you know, always accept recognition. He wants to give it to any everybody else because of how, you know, generous he is. So with, with all of Dirk's post-retirement festivities from, you know, 41-21-1 to his jersey retirement to, of course, the statue that was unveiled outside the AAC last December, you know, expect him to be a little bit emotional as, you know, we probably will be watching as, you know, for for Jaron and I specifically, I guess, as, um, you know, Gen Z Mavs fans or whatever you <laughs> want to call it, um, we, we definitely, you know, got most of our, you know, Dirk um, sort of uh, fanship from the last half of his career. And that's where, where we grew and evolved into, you know, liking him, but, you know, as well as the Mavericks. But, I mean, he obviously, along with that 2011 championship run, definitely catalyzed, uh, you know, our fandom. I, I definitely think that I can speak for both of us from that perspective, just given how old we were at the time. And, you know, back then, like being like nine or 10 years old, you know, you don't place a lot of stock into like what's happening on the court. None of us were paying attention to really necessarily back, you know, that back then we, we cared, you know, obviously about, you know, the, the cool plays that were happening in the court, but we didn't have the wherewithal to analysis or analyze it or anything like that. And, you know, just to see him ball out and see how, you know, good of a guy he is off the court and how, generous it is I mean it, it was it was it was almost weird for me because like when I got older I started seeing you know across the league that not all these other NBA stars are like this like this guy is cut from a different cloth in terms of you know not just the basketball player that he is but the the human being that he is um you know to be able to be a steward in the community um off the court for 21 seasons in Dallas as well still living here after coming from Germany. I mean, it's just really special. And um, I mean, it goes without saying that the caliber of player that he was is as well as what he did for the Mavericks in 2011, you know, winning one of the arguably, you know, more impressive championships, uh, if not in NBA history, definitely recent memory. Um, it, it is more than deserving for him to be in Springfield, Massachusetts, inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. He, he has earned it, you know, 1000%. And I just can't, I just can't wait to see, you know, if anybody else gets to speak on Dirk, I, I know Dirk will be very humble and he'll, he'll tell some funny stories and that'll be very good to watch. But, you know, I, I would encourage anybody, you know, as a Mavericks fan to not miss this. Obviously it's not the most eye popping or, or grabbing sort of piece of news this summer given you know, all the different things that have kind of gone on with the team, you know, and I understand people got things going on, but if you can watch this or, or record it, I would definitely stress heavily too. It'll be a really cool um, enshrinement process. And as much as I, you know, am not the biggest Dwayne Wade fan and as much as I honestly like dislike him, I do think it's cool that they, you know, the NBA is having him and Dirk go on at the same time. I hope that they don't try to, you know, get too much fanfare and media out about their their new friendship or whatever. 
um, that that the that the media is kind of trying to push because you know Dirk went on, I believe, ninety seven won the freak with Mark Stein and said that they're more just acquaintances than anything else. But I mean, all, all jokes aside, I am you know extremely happy Dirk is getting his flowers from this perspective and happy that you know hit the last mark of his career in terms of being a Hall of Famer of which he you know is 100% deserving of is to be completed this this Saturday it would be a really cool special moment and I'm sure he'll finally have a little bit relief now that you know all of his retirement activities are essentially uh, completed and he's got all the accomplishments and everything so now he can just focus on whatever post NBA ventures he took he, you know he wants to do you know he's already an ambassador I believe for for FIBA with Germany and you know, as well as, you know, his advisor role with the Mavericks. So uh, I'm just excited for him to be able to grow up with his his kids and his wife and, you know, move on to all his other ventures and and complete the the full cycle of his of his amazing 21 year basketball career. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of touch up on what you said, I'll try and keep it as short as possible. But uh, I mean, he truly is a one of one, whether it's within his community uh, for that 21 seasons or, you know, just on the court, whatever it was that, you know, kind of touched up on people the most. Um, I mean, he truly did have an impact within the city. I think uh, there's, you know, you can confidently say that there's probably not one person within the Dallas or within the DFW area who doesn't know the name Dirk Nowitzki. I, I can confidently say that. Um, but, you know, also just his, you know, his impact um, on the European game. I, I think that he, um, you know, really did bring Europe to the NBA or bring NBA to Europe rather. Uh, I think that he was kind of the For only sure. guy, uh, or maybe not the only guy, but I think that he was the, you know, the biggest guy to do that. Um, you know, I, I think we can kind of accommodate him for bringing Giannis, bringing uh, Luka, bringing Jokic. He, he's probably one of the bigger sort of guys that you know brought these guys over here and you know we're of course only scratching the surface on european talent um but i mean he's the guy he's like sort of the godfather that did that he brought all these guys over um so just his impact on the game impact on uh of course the european game and overseas um and you know of course becoming an ambassador for uh for germany like you said you know it's definitely something that's very impressive and i'm excited to see what he can do in retirement now where you know he can really just focus on retirement with his family of course like you said um and you know if he does want to dive back into basketball whether it's coaching uh, or in the front office you know he already has the pseudo front office role with the mavericks right now um you know i i think he can confidently do that within the mavericks organization so i don't think that this will be the last time we see dirk on a sort of premium you know, stage yeah premium stage exactly um, but you know, I think that for at least a while, it probably will be, I think he can confidently now, uh, tuck his sorrows, not tuck his sorrows, but you know, he can tuck away into retirement and enjoy retirement at once. So, uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, you know, there, you can't really compose or you can't really conduce a dirt topic into 10 minutes. It's really hard to do that. So just trying to keep it as short as possible. But yeah, I mean, he truly is a one of one. No, hundred percent. And uh, I think that, you know, what Dirk has has done for the game, like you said, in, in terms of, you know, stretching it to an international level, but also, you know, his, his one-legged fadeaway, obviously, being a move that has been, you know, fostered within American uh, developmental systems. And, I mean, you see, like, a ton of guys using it today. Uh, his impact on the game, you know, it truly is – um unimaginable so i like i said just couldn't 
be more happy for a guy and there's not one more guy that could be uh deserving of you know being inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. You have anything else Jaren before uh we go ahead and end the podcast here? Yeah, I mean, you know, something quick, you know, he probably doesn't uh remember me at all, but I can sure say that this is the coolest interaction that I had and I I honestly forgot to bring it up, but uh last year I can't remember, I think it was December 7th versus the Phoenix Suns. Uh, just a crazy event that kind of happened, you know, I ended up on the court and I met Dirk through the whole entire process and, you know, kind of to speak on his character a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you know, I was 19 years old, just some, you know, random kid with a dream. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't, you know, of course, remember me, he doesn't know me, but, you know, he introduced himself to me uh, and, you know, got to have what, like a two minute conversation with him where I was pretty much just starstruck, didn't have any words to say other than, you know, nodding my head and pretty much drooling the whole entire time. Uh, but, you know, it, it was amazing. And he's a great guy. Like I said, um, you know, even though he's seven foot tall, his handshake was, you know, soft and it wasn't like hard or firm or anything like that. So, you know, that's something to kind of speak on his character. But yeah, I mean, definitely excited to see what will happen um, in regards to retirement, what kind of plans he does, like I said. So, um, you know, congratulations to him and his family as they can finally uh, enjoy retirement and he can actually finally get inducted in the hall of fame, even though it wasn't a big process or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited, like I said, and, you know, congratulations to them again. Yeah. And can, and congratulations to the mainstream maps co-hosts for completing a podcast after Absolutely. not doing one for 10 days. So <laughs> they, they need to get on their shit. So, um, but we, Jaron and I have been transitioning uh, in, in writing for the smoking Cuban, as you guys all know, and admittedly, um, we we have, you know, had a bit of uh, an increased, you know, amount of stuff that we're doing in regards to, you know, that, but also uh, with college at the moment. And I, I think both of us were kind of in a little bit of a shakeup for a, a work-life balance um, after, you know, we started writing a little bit more, but you know, we talked it over before today's podcast after the Derek Jones Jr. news because I mean that was inevitable. We were going to do a podcast after that, and we're we're going to get very calculated with this, um, and, and make a full roadmap of content even throughout the you know continued weeks of the off season, even if it's dry, even if the Mavericks don't make a trade for a center before training camp. We wanted to make that a huge point of emphasis, so we'll make sure that we get a much more steady stream and ebb and flow of content out to you guys. We're going to look to at least do a podcast uh, every other day or, you know, in that sort of relativity uh, going on until training camp starts, because, you know, it's going to be kind of thin across the margins as far as news goes until then, even if the Mavericks, you know, do make a trade for a center. uh, It's not like that can dominate our, you know, podcast topic of discussion for more than a few episodes. So, we're we're excited to to get that ready for you guys. We we do encourage you guys to check out all of our content over at the Smoking Cuban. But like we said, we we just kind of have to take a little bit of a step back for that, and we do apologize. Um, you know, we're we're trying our best, but we are just loser twenty year olds at the end of the day. So you know, we we're we're learning how to handle all this, but we we do feel a lot more confident in our uh, in our approach to the podcast now. So. We're, we're excited to, you know, be more consistent before the season starts. And I hope that that's, you know, the last time I have to say that. But uh, <laughs> anyways, um, for those of you guys that uh, have been listening this far in the podcast, we do appreciate it. Make sure to check out all of our content 
on the smoking Cuban, you know, the smoking Cuban.com. Like I said, Jaren and I both have articles up there. I just had one come out literally just now about Dirk's Hall and Frank Hall and fame enshrinement and then, and his teammates that'll be there. So, I mean, couldn't be a better time to plug and play an article like that, but go look at that. Um, also make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream two, one, four, uh, that's obviously where we're going to be posting news, rumors, updates about all things related Mavs, as you know, as well as the off season. And make sure to follow us on our personal Twitters as well. Mine's at Will MillJ. I usually just like like and retweet our our podcast and our and my our respected articles as well. But you know, every once in a while, maybe you'll get a a feisty fiery take on there from me. I might I might start going eight <laughs> mode. So you never know. And you can catch Jaren's Twitter at jaron mavericks uh if you guys so please um and also make sure to get at us on youtube um where we you know post the video podcasts and you guys get to see our glorious faces and you know more of our mannerisms and you know see see just how invested we get when we're talking because you, you don't get that aspect if you're if you're just listening on apple Podcasts or spotify so if you are one of those uh you know i'm not going to call it even a listener but if you're one of the observers on YouTube and you uh, you are just all mainstream Mavs uh, aficionado over there, you know, make sure to continue our support of us. Like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, we, we gave you multiple options to comment um, down in the podcast on this episode before we got to the end. So we had to so we had to avoid, you know, our five second pause of trying to think of a question. So that was, that was definitely something we're happy about, but um, also make sure to get at us on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Of course, we understand not everybody can listen on YouTube due to the timeliness of when you're listening to the podcast. So if you're on your way to work or something like that, we don't want you to crash and, uh, you know, pr- provide a wreckage on I-35 and yet another reason as to why I can't get to school next week. So uh, make sure that you, um, you know, stay tuned and turn on your post notifications so you can get our podcast um, right away. You can listen wherever you want on Apple, um, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We really appreciate all the support and feedback uh, from there. And uh, shout out to uh, our boy. We're not, he's going to go unnamed. He's going to go anonymous, but he started a new Twitter um, at Step Back Yumper. Go follow that account. It's going to be some solid NBA memes on there for those of you guys um that would like to uh you know get involved in the you know fun side of things uh, from the off season and you know for those of you guys that are on the NBA Twitter stratosphere um he he's going to be posting a lot of fun NBA memes that we'll, we'll get a good laugh so uh barring that uh we will catch you guys in the next episode and this has been Will and Jaren on the Mainstream Mass podcast we will see you guys on Saturday bye bye <laughs>